Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrodoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. Matt, you're back. Boom, boom. So happy to be here, man. Feeling like a regular human with uh, to see you, brother. those flu-like symptoms keeping me as a GTD. <laughs> Yeah, Matt was under the uh, under the weather last week, which is why he was off the pod. And Tim filled in for the first time in a bit. Tim is uh, gonna start seeing if he could get in here a little bit more often. Um, we'll see. I mean, yeah, the, the kid's like a few weeks old now. He can basically take care of himself. A little bit over a month. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This like... is the time he goes off into the wilderness to fend for himself, anyways. You know. Yeah. But yeah. So Matt is so... back. Good to see you, Matt. It's been a while. Oh, it's it good to be like... back. You guys held down the fort nice, though. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like it's been a while. One week is a long time away. Yeah, and we have a a fun episode for you. We have a uh, a QB discussion. We're going to be discussing the big four QB news that are currently happening. We'll get into those shortly. And we're going to go through um, FFPC ADP, um, the first five rounds, best ball style, looking at the average draft positions of those guys and giving you who we believe are the best and worst picks of those rounds. FFPC currently has a best ball tournament going on um, that you could join and win tens of thousands of dollars. $125. I see all you DGENs out there pushing the draft buttons already. Yeah, $125 entry or $35 entry. Um, so yeah, go ahead and join that. If you join using our uh, our link, you'll save five bucks if you're a new player on a $35 entry. That's like a 15% savings. So you might as well Incredible. you could uh, click it straight from the app or just shoot us a DM and we'll send you a link. It's either or is very easy. This podcast is, of course, and video YouTube.com slash Proto Fantasy. Now we're on YouTube at all times. Brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Broto app. We talk about it a lot because... Yes, it's our app, but it's also a great app with stats, um, player cards, uh, like a ridiculous amount of stats. Let me let me just say that. Um, also, exclusive stats like true throw value, true player grades, true uh, true target value, and things of that sort. Player um, player comps coming soon. Cast has been very working soon. behind the scenes on those bad boys. Maybe I shouldn't have uh, let that slip, but very soon. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Exciting, exciting news. All of our articles and everything. And shout out to Matt, who the Dynasty Dawn is a new new podcast, weekly podcast that Matt will be running with various guests or himself. It's going to depend week to week. He had Femi on last week, which was great. I, I see that he already had another guy um, get ready to be on an episode. So, look, we, myself, Tim and Jason, we've always been very... Uh, very what's what's the word matt when you uh when you share uh supportive no not supportive. <laughs> uh, i'm blanking on the damn word i hate when i what i hate selfless when I do no not selfless That's not sharing either. we've uh transparent we've been very transparent about transparent. the fact that we are uh there you go redraft players recently best ball players that that's our forte um that's where we that's where we've always strived and have always been very good at and that's why we dominated give you yeah that's why we give you advice in those areas and we we're lucky enough to bring matt onto the team who what we are in redraft is what matt is in dynasty he everything he talks about in dynasty and every time i listen to him i'm like this is glorious and now you guys get to hear it on a weekly basis the first episode came out um 
this past Monday looking at rookie profiles and NFL combine review with Femi, um, the gridiron Greek on Twitter, as many of you know. So yeah, go check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube to watch um, every week. So yeah, our first Brodo podcast that's like led by someone who isn't one of the brothers. So it's exciting. And uh, shout out to Matt for being that guy. Matt was very excited about it. He still is very excited about it, of course. We're very excited about it. It's all just a very exciting, very exciting endeavor. So shout out to you, Matt. Yeah, I'm and- excited for this week. We're, we're going to keep them rolling every Monday. They're, uh, like, it's, and this is my favorite time of year. Like, you know, the, obviously the redraft market will always push the dynasty market. Like it is the mother of our child, right? Uh, dynasty is just the smaller niche of it and, and obviously opens up a, a tertiary market, but this is my time yeah. of year. Like when the redraft noise kind of dies down and we get into draft and combines and prospect profiling. Yeah. That's when I thrive. Yeah. Matt loves it. Like this crazy animal loves every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so uh, download that. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but download the Fantasy Football by Broto app. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy to support the show and support the podcast um, and the app. That's where the majority of the money comes in from. So it is very much appreciated. And you get extras like the Discord and extra episodes and things of that sort. So, like for example, this week's extra episode is going to be uh, we're discussing rounds one through five of FFPC ADP for the um, best ball drafts. We're going to be continuing through round six through 10, which is going to be available for patrons only on patreon.com. Juicy rounds. Very juicy. I've already, I looked at the names and there's some guys that I see their ADP and I'm like, people suck at drafting, yo. We'll, we'll <laughs> to that. But, but with that being said, we're going to jump into the quarterbacks, baby. We got four quarterbacks that are being quarterback market so far. Look, March 15th is when um free agency kicks off that's when uh, we're about a week away from some glorious nfl just boatload of news that we're all going to be very excited to hear about but there's four guys who are already making waves in the uh in the offseason and that is daniel jones of the, of the new york giants still of the new york giants kind of giving it away if you haven't figured it out yet but you you should know i assume what happened there um lamar jackson Maybe of the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Derek Carr of the New Orleans Saints, and Aaron Rodgers of the dot dot dot. Yeah, of the dot dot dot. Hopefully, the New York Jets. No jinxing it. But we're gonna dive into it with Daniel Jones because he is the uh, him and Derek Carr are the two locked in guys. So we'll start with those two. Going right into Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones just got a four year, one hundred sixty million dollar deal from the New York Giants with up to $35 million more in incentives. Damn. 40 million a year with up to 35 million more that he could earn. If he does earn all of it, that's close to 50 million a year. I, I'm on the record saying, I think there's a better chance that Daniel Jones isn't a starter in four years. than he collects all the incentives, but I don't want to jump to conclusions because this isn't a, it doesn't have to be a yes or no question. It could be, you know, it could be more uh, open than that. But Matt, yes or no? Did the Giants make the right decision? I don't think so. I think 
I think we have yet to see the best of Daniel Jones. I think he just took a Giants team in the toughest division in all of football to the playoffs and won against the second ranked team in the NFC um, and then obviously collapsed against the team that made it to the Super Bowl. I think the best has yet to come for Daniel Jones. That said, that type of money in that market, exactly where you put, like exactly in your perspective, I don't know that he's going to outlast that contract. Like if Daniel Jones progresses a tiny bit then he's Kirk Cousins with legs right but is that really a franchise quarterback is that truly a guy that deserves 40 million dollars a year guaranteed or 37 incentives plus I don't think so and that kind of brings me into a bit of a different tangent but the whole narrative that the owners are collectively attempting to downplay Lamar Jackson's market value so that they can reset the quarterback market and never have to offer another Deshaun Watson level contract to a quarterback is absolutely nonsense when you see how much money they're allocating to Daniel Jones and Derek Carr as guaranteed money with incentives attached. It's nonsense. Yeah, I do not disagree with you there. My, oh, there it goes. My, uh, my concern here with the Daniel Jones signing exists. Look, you had Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley last season, both on relative. Uh, I, I think know, they tagged bargains. the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, both on relative bargains. And now you have Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, who Saquon Barkley just got the tag. So he's no longer a bargain. He's going to be making a decent amount of money. I mean, I guess you could say he's a bargain based on what he probably would have asked for in contracts. But Nonetheless, he's no longer a bargain, and Daniel Jones is nowhere near a bargain from that rookie contract now that he's making $40 million a year. So, look, Brian Dable came in last year, and Brian Dable was quickly making himself one of the most well-respected coaches in the league with what he's been able to do um, in his young coaching career. Last season with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, got them to the playoffs with a team that was not overly talented, wide receiver room that is very much uh, in need of some help. And now the issue is they paid Daniel Jones and now they either they have Saquon Barkley for one more year and then he's either gone or they have to pay him a shitload of money if they want to keep him. And they have a wide receiver room in need of dire help in a weak wide receiver free agency class. They have an offensive line that's decent, but nothing to write home about a defense that's decent, but nothing to write home about. And they're allocating all their money to a quarterback who has yet to prove that he could be a trustworthy quarterback in the NFL. He just had his best year in the league. Yes, but it is one season of Daniel Jones being a successful NFL quarterback. And it ended by getting absolutely demolished by the Philadelphia Eagles, which is of course concerning because the Eagles are going to remain in that division for a long time at the top of it. We'd expect as long as Jalen Hurts and company continue to uh, continue to ball out. So my issue with Daniel Jones and the Giants is that, look, this is, I think, the Giants wide receiver room. It's similar to the Packers last season, right? They lost Devontae Adams, and it was like, what are they going to do at the wide receiver position? The Giants have who at wide receiver? Isaiah Hodgins and company. Like, Sterling Shepard's gone. They traded Kadarius Toney last season. They really do not have any helpful wide receivers. Who are they going to sign? Like, Juju Smith-Schuster is the best wide receiver? Alan Lazard? Guys like that? Or they draft a wide receiver, similar to the Packers last season, who drafted Christian Watson in the second round, and it took some time. Christian Watson dealt with injuries and such, but once he did um, start playing a lot, he started hitting weekly with Aaron Rodgers. But Daniel Jones isn't Aaron Rodgers. You could easily miss on a wide receiver just as easily as you hit. Like, what if uh, the wide receiver, the Giants draft, is Jalen Tolbert and not um, 
and not Christian Watson. That's that's a concern as well. And maybe the Giants don't go after wide receivers in the draft. I mean, I'd expect them to. I think everyone kind of expects them to, but you never know with these teams. So my issue is that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and company, I don't think they're a, they're a Super Bowl contending team. And now they spent all their money, not all their money, but a lot of money on Daniel Jones. $40 million a year is not a cheap contract for a quarterback who has been a game manager at his very best so far. And that's very concerning to me. And if I was a Giants fan, I would not be happy about this. Um, as a football fan, I think it was a bad move. And yeah, good luck, Giants. Good luck, Brian Dable and company. Look, if he does something with Daniel Jones and if he's able to, you know, make make this look like a good deal, shout out to him. I don't think there's a 0% chance that happens. I do think there's a shot that Brian Dable turns Daniel Jones into a star and the giants are great do what i give it high odds definitely not but you never know um i err on the side of daniel jones not being that guy we're gonna have to see but the giants paid him to be that guy and questionable move but they did it i agree man and, and it's kind of like it's like there's like a popular you know saying on, on social medias and stuff but it's it's like you either go get a franchise quarterback or don't Mm-hmm. Like it, it stop paying mid level 13 wins a season. It, it looks nice, right? But like it's a franchise quarterback for an elongated period or not, like or rebuild um, or, you know, attack in the rookie draft or what have you so that you, you know, still have that discount. I think paying this type of money to guys like Derek Carr, guys like Daniel Jones is just you're hamstringing your future. I do not disagree with you there. What you just, you just brought it up. Derek Carr is the next quarterback that we are going to dive into. If you do not know yet, if you're a listener of some time, you likely know that Matt is a New Orleans Saints fan. If you are a new listener, a new listener, you now know that Matt is a New Orleans Saints fan. I have <laughs> Matt lives up in Canada. I have a friend who lives in New York that both of them are New Orleans Saints fans. I'm kind of confused as to how uh, I know two people who have nothing to do with Nola as a New Orleans Saints fan. Well, actually, I don't. You you have obviously your reasoning is for it, but I think that's kind of funny. But um, yeah, Derek Carr is the newest. I was on uh on the podcast, the QB Frenzy podcast, with Tim last week, saying I think the Saints are in a bit of a rebuilding mode, even though they don't want to admit it. They even though they traded their first two first round picks last year to move up for Chris Olave. The saints told me, Nope, we're not in a rebuilding mode. We're going for it. Like they, they traded two first for Olave. They clearly went all in last year, um, to try to win, um, after that move. Like that's not a move you make if you're going to start rebuilding. And I think the saints said, we're not rebuilding. We're going to go for it. And we think Derek Carr is at least decent enough to make us a playoff contender. Four years, 150 million, 37 and a half mil a year average, less than Daniel Jones, which I think is a bargain. Like Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, straight up. I'm taking Derek Carr every single day. Both of these guys, I think, are mid level quarterbacks, but Derek Carr, higher mid, and Daniel Jones, lower mid. So, Matt, I'm going to pass to you because you are the Saints fan here. I, I'll i get into it after you. I just kind of laid out what's going on here in New Orleans now with Derek Carr signing there. How do you feel about this this move? 
I, I think you nailed it from the perspective of the management and front office is they absolutely think that they're not rebuilding, if anything, retooling. The NFC South is incredibly weak. Tom Brady just left it. The other three quarterbacks remaining in the NFC South that are starting are Sam Darnold for the Panthers, Desmond Ritter for the Falcons, and Kyle Trask, apparently, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So obviously those other teams may very well go out and make some quarterback moves as well. But I think that's why the Saints wanted to get ahead of them on the market because obviously the Panthers and the Falcons have very good upcoming draft capital to be able to attack that position in the draft should they want to. And with Anthony Richardson kind of blowing the combine away, now it seems as if there may be a stud quarterback that is falling to one of those positions in CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. That said, I think it's an improvement for the offense as a whole. Anybody that says it is not is asinine. It is absolutely an improvement above Andy Dalton. Chris Olave just put up a thousand yards as a rookie. There's been eight wider seven. Chris Garrett Wilson is the eighth. So, but there has been eight wide receivers in NFL history that have had a thousand yards as a rookie. They've all repeated with a thousand yards in their sophomore season. Chris Olave is not going to regress with Derek Carr as a sophomore. He's a bona fide superstar already. Carr is going to improve his development and his progression. It might be enough to get 10 wins. And that's probably enough to win the NFC South. But you're talking about perennial first round exits with Derek Carr, in my opinion. The NFC is absolutely a weaker division than the AFC, but there's no easy outs once you get to the playoffs. It, it, it doesn't matter what conference you're in. Yes, one is stronger than the other, but there's no easy outs. And the Saints are also in defensive purgatory right now. Now they have to get cap compliant by March 15th. Michael Thomas is going to get cut. That's almost 100% guaranteed. They're going to owe him 30 million plus in guaranteed money if they don't cut him before the 15th. That also still leaves Alvin Kamara and his legal situation may actually allow them to just get out of that contract, but it's Alvin Kamara, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, and Cameron Jordan. All of those guys need to be restructured or one of them needs to be cut outright. CJ's the only one that you can't really trade or restructure because it's going to cost them a major dead cap hit to do so. And that just puts them in a worse position financially. So it looks like Derek Carr is now going to come into an offense that is sans Alvin Kamara, who knows the running back, sans Michael Thomas, which would make Jarvis Landry, if they extend him as a mentor, their secondary wideout. Otherwise, it's Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, Jawan Johnson, also a free agent. So Adam Troutman's the only like it's not a good offense. It's not a good offense. And I think Chris Olave is the best benefactor because he's still going to earn the most targets. But this is a move that puts the Saints in perennial mid-level purgatory until that contract is up yeah jason and i used to say all the time that Derek carr is the premier purgatory quarterback like he's a quarterback that you want on your team if you want to be a mid-level team and some teams they want to be mid-level like teams like the browns i'm sure they'll they'll go for mid-level for a bit of time but you got teams like the saints who sean payton drew Brees and company like they're used to being of very good teams they're used to you know being at the top of the class in the nfl and it did not happen this past year with Jameis winston and andy dalton and they're going after with Derek carr look i applaud them for the move if they believe Derek carr is that guy but i'm definitely with you matt in where i question if they have the weapons for it like i my I thought the Saints were going to end up with a quarterback like Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo because I didn't think a high-end quarterback would see this team and say this is a team that's going to win now because they're they're under the they're over the cap they they trade away draft picks like they do not have the best weapons they have free agents like Jawan Johnson like Matt mentioned who was a big factor in the red zone for the Saints last year and 
Michael Thomas might be cut. Alvin Kamara is a question mark. But nonetheless, the Saints said, we're going to go get Derek Carr. And I applaud them for the balls that it takes, similar to the Giants, for the balls that it takes to sign a guy like Daniel Jones or Derek Carr to this contract. But I'm with you, Matt, where I don't think it is a successful long-term plan for the Saints. I do think Derek Carr has a better shot at playing out all four years than Daniel Jones does just because he is older. He is more of a resume and like he's done a lot with a little in the past, but he's still just a mid-level quarterback in the NFL. He's not someone I'm like overly excited about, but nonetheless, the Saints signed to a four-year deal. Shockingly to me, I didn't expect the Saints to be able to pull a guy like that, but here we go. As a Saints fan, Matt, I'm sure you're not overly excited about the next four years, but maybe, nope. maybe, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe Derek Carr uh, turns up. Yeah, and that's just it. Is I don't really see Dennis Allen as the quarterback that can take a 32, or as the coach that can take a 32 year old quarterback and, and turn his career back towards an MVP level trajectory. Because like Derek Carr's peak was in 2016, 2017, right? It, it's yeah. been quite some time since he's been a top five MVP quarterback. So. I don't know that they can necessarily make that trajectory turnaround, but fantasy wise, it's undeniably an improvement for the weapons, whatever weapons they will have when the season starts. Yeah, I don't think that's debatable. Derek Carr greater than Jameis and uh, Andy Dalton. I'll go with you there. On to the uh, the next two quarterbacks. Going to save the the best for last, if I may. Lamar Jackson is the next one up. This is this is what's going on with Lamar Jackson. If you don't know how the franchise tags work, so there's a exclusive and a non-exclusive franchise tag. The exclusive franchise tag is like what the Giants did with Saquon Barkley. We're going to give you this amount of money. Um, you're on the team next year. Haha, ha, you can't really do anything about it. If the Ravens did that, they would have had to pay Lamar Jackson $45 million guaranteed, which kind of seems like a bargain if you're looking at Derek Carr and Daniel Jones's contracts. Instead, they went for a non-exclusive tag, which attaches a one-year deal to Lamar Jackson, but very much reduced, $32.4 million for the Ravens. But that's only if a team doesn't offer Lamar Jackson a contract. Lamar Jackson can now be offered a contract by other teams. If the other team accepts, the Ravens could swoop in, kind of like a restricted free agent in the uh, in the NBA. The Ravens could say, four years, $180 million for Lamar Jackson? Ah, sure, we'll do it. If the Falcons offer him that, for example, right. they could swoop in and sign Lamar Jackson at that agreed-upon cost from the other team. Or if the Ravens, if, say, the Falcons offer Lamar Jackson four years, $180 million, the Ravens say it's time to move on from Lamar. They get two first-round picks in return. So, look, and it would I know... Be the next closest two firsts. Like, if the Falcons didn't own their 2024, it would be 2023 and 2025. Yes. And, look, I... I know a lot of people are shitting on the Ravens for not extending Lamar Jackson. Look, if they, if ownership and brass doesn't believe in Lamar Jackson, this is a genius move. Like, let's be real. Um, if, if you're not a believer in Lamar Jackson as the, as the owner of the Ravens, why not put him on the open, open market, basically the open market. And, get two first round picks in return for him because two first round picks is a lot. It's, <laughs> it's no joke to have two first round picks in today's NFL. And there are teams who are in desperate need of a quarterback. The jets, for example, the Falcons, the, the saints, no longer the Panthers, the Washington commanders, like there is no shortage of teams in need 
of a quarterback, and Lamar Jackson is a game-changing quarterback, 1,000%. My only issue with Lamar Jackson, he's been injured these past two seasons often, and that is not good at all because we've seen quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, these running-style quarterbacks who, like Lamar Jackson is a is a better passer than a lot of people give him credit for, but he is not a pocket passer. Like he is a mobile quarterback. His legs are a big reason why the Ravens offense has succeeded over these last several seasons, his MVP type season. He was a, he was a beast because he was running all over the place and he was having success through the air. But if you take the legs out of the equation, he's a much different quarterback. And I don't think any team expects that to be the case. Like if you're signing Lamar Jackson long-term, it's because of the dual threat ability that he has, but he's been injured over the past two seasons. And if you get a guy like Lamar Jackson, you have to tailor your offense around that skill set. His skill set is absolutely amazing, and you can tailor a tremendous offense around it as the Ravens have done. But it is asking a lot from a team. A lot of teams would have to just completely transform their offense, would have to completely transform everything about their team um, if they go ahead and acquire Lamar Jackson. With that being said, I do think there are a lot of teams that bite the bullet, pay two first-round picks, and get Lamar Jackson. I think that's a tremendous deal. At this point, I think there is no shot Lamar Jackson stays with the Ravens. They've offered him, well, reports have said that they've been offering him just disrespectful amounts of money, and now they give him the non-exclusive franchise tag, which says go ahead and try to sign with a team. We'll figure it out later if we want to. Like It's it's disrespectful what they're doing, but if they're ready to move on from Lamar Jackson, it's also a, a genius long-term move to get two firsts out of it rather than a rather than just letting him walk. So I think it's a, it's an interesting situation we have going here with Lamar Jackson. I think his time with the with the Ravens is done. Um how do you feel about Matt? How do you how are you feeling about Lamar Jackson, Matt? Do you think he stays with the Ravens or do you also agree that it seems like his day his days as a Raven are probably over with? Yeah, I completely agree and my brother's a Ravens fan as soon as they ex- or non-exclusive tagged him. He messaged me and he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, it's not good, man. It means it's not good. Um, because yeah, they're, they're essentially, and it's, you don't have to play the conspiracy game and, and go too deep into it. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of nuances that aren't being talked about as to why he hasn't been offered this contract, but you said it plain and simple. There are, in my opinion, probably 25 teams that should be regardless of who their quarterback is attempting to trade for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But you've seen GMs within the hour of that exclusive tag openly come out with their beat reporters and say, we're not interested. I kind of touched on it previously. A lot of people think that's because they're trying to reset the market at a cheaper level um, to not have to cough up to Sean Watson money again, and then see how he performed even in limited time in Cleveland. Not great. Um, I, I think that, because Watson reset the market and didn't deserve that money and was coming off of all of those issues that GMs are actively trying to reduce the cost of these quarterback contracts. But then you see guys like Daniel Jones signed 160 for four and Derek Carr 150 for three. Like, so that narrative doesn't really hold up when lesser quarterbacks are getting more money. I think the narrative is much truer to what you were saying. It is a big ask to redevelop the entire offensive system, especially if you're a somewhat of a contending team to be able to cater to Lamar Jackson. And of course, knowing that the market is what it is, he's absolutely worth that money, but you're putting any team is then going to put themselves in the same position that we were just talking about with because Allen and Mahomes are incredibly underpaid, but the same position as 
the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray, um, where you are locked into no matter what paying this kid, what you've agreed upon without knowing if you're going to get the production and the wins. Obviously no one knows the production or the wins, but Lamar has very much shown to be capable, but injuries are a question and the scheme is a question. And obviously the money that he wants, I would assume is more than anybody in the NFL. And is he worth Mahomes level money? I think so. Yes. Youngest MVP in NFL history, but GMs clearly don't feel the same way. And him getting locked into that Ravens contract puts him in the exact same position that he was in 2022, where he's on a prove it deal. And if he gets injured and his, you know, camp kind of says like maybe this season the same way, why do I come back when I don't have guaranteed money? And it just is a vicious cycle. Then it puts the Ravens in a position. Well, why do we want to extend this kid if he can't stay on the field? And it puts Lamar in a position. Well, why would I want to sign with them if, you know, they aren't protecting me? It's just a vicious cycle of essentially, yes, he, he's no longer a Baltimore Raven. It's only a franchise tag and name. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. And it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch because uh, starting March 13th, four days from now, Lamar Jackson could uh, could sign with a team, I believe they said, or agree to a contract with a team for the Ravens to have. I don't know how much time they have to match. I assume it's like. 72 hours or something of that sort before they have to make a decision. But either way, it's going to be fun to watch. And Lamar Jackson is a tremendous NFL quarterback, game-changing type of player. We've seen the Ravens absolutely dominate offensively with Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be fun to see how this plays out. And it's uh, certainly disrespectful on the Baltimore side, but we'll see. It would be quite a shock to me if they decide to keep him. I don't know how Lamar Jackson would even feel about that. but <laughs> That's, that's what <laughs> I mean. It's like if, if they do get the offer sheet that is like – in their and it's it's not overly difficult to figure out they offered what they thought Lamar was worth he said I'm worth way more they said go let another team tell you that and if they tell you that maybe we'll agree but yeah. no other team is telling you that we're telling you this so yeah it's, it's I, I do strange. think it's it's very disrespectful he absolutely deserves what he's asking for but they're they kind of hold the cards now because they've non-exclusive tagged him it's Let's see if another team thinks you're worth what you say you are. And yeah, then also, we can decide if we agree. I think it's absolutely wild that teams have been like publicly saying we're not going after Lamar Jackson already. Like the Falcons, the Panthers, the Commanders and company. We'll see. We'll see about Makes that. Makes no like, sense. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if that's actually the case. I I take all that reporting with a great I, with Yeah, with an entire sifter of salt, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sifters of salt. And now heading into the final quarterback here. The one I, uh, I'm i most sure excited about personally about. <laughs> for, for Jet fan reasons. If you don't know, I'm a Jets fan. Matt is a Saints fan. I'm a Jets fan. Now you know if you're a new listener. Aaron Rodgers is heading to the Jets, question mark. Look, Aaron Rodgers apparently came out of his uh, darkness retreat ready to make a decision soon. Um, apparently, he talked with the Jets, and it went <laughs> decently well. And then, apparently again, which actually almost – Definitely, it's been reported. Jet Brass flew out there. Woody Johnson, Robert Sala, and company flew out to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers, and it was reported that they had a good conversation, and the Jets are pretty, you know, pretty set on the fact that they think they have a good, very good chance to acquire Aaron Rodgers. And look, for me, if the 
Packers wanted to keep Aaron Rodgers, they wouldn't let him talk to the Jets. They wouldn't like they wouldn't just be like, yeah, team, come on, come try to trade for our quarterback. Like, I think that relationship's done. It's already been reported that Jordan Love is kind of ready He's to be the, the quarterback for the Packers. Yeah. So I think that relationship is done similar to um, we've seen this in the past with guys like, you know, Peyton Manning getting traded to the to the Broncos. Um, Brett Favre a while ago getting traded to the Jets. Can Matt, my question to you is if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, can he be the new Peyton Manning winning first year with the Broncos, Tom Brady winning first year with the Bucks, Matt Stafford winning first year with the Rams? Do you think the Jets have the personnel to make that happen? Yes. Plain and simple, yes. Uh, I mean, I genuinely believe that the Jets might be the most quote-unquote quarterback away team in the NFL. Um, That defense is absolutely nasty. Second-rated secondary in the NFL behind the Broncos. Um, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and company. Phenomenal, phenomenal defensive assets. Defensive line looking nasty. If Jermaine Johnson can get his stuff together, looking even nastier as well. Um, Obviously, it's going to cost them probably the same amount that it would cost them to go and get Lamar, right? Like two first round draft picks and you have to take a $40 million guaranteed contract. It's not going to be a cheap ask. And that's kind of where I get a little concerned with the jets. Um, But they are a very young team as well. Uh, The offensive line is probably the area that needs the most help when it comes to where they should be allocating free agent funds and draft capital, but you can get very good offensive linemen in the second and third round. So losing those first round picks doesn't necessarily hurt them as much. They have Brees Hall coming back. I mean, undeniably would be RB1 overall if he was healthy the entire season. An absolutely phenomenal generational running back. Garrett Wilson, I think Elijah Moore, a huge bump in value should Aaron Rodgers come. I also think with Aaron Rodgers, Elijah Moore, and a you know, new offense that they will find a role for him and we will see regression back to his rookie year norm. And then Garrett Wilson. I mean, Garrett Wilson of one of those eight rookie wide receivers I mentioned to put up a thousand yards and every single one of them had done it again in their second season. There's no regression coming for Garrett Wilson. He's a certified superstar and would immediately be arguably the second best receiver Aaron Rodgers has ever played with in his career. And that's saying something. And both of those guys still on minimal rookie year contracts. So if Rodgers can get it kicking for two or three years, maybe it isn't this year. Maybe it's not a Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, but it definitely puts them in the hunt with in their rookie window of all of those assets that I just mentioned. I do not disagree. I'm going to push back on a couple things. Um, first, the uh, the two first cost. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. They're, they're also reporting that it's not going to be that expensive because, I mean, the Packers don't have much leverage here, if we're being honest. That's fair. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is old at this point. Let's be real. He's, he's an old guy, but he probably has two or three years just left in him in general, and there's a huge contract. They probably eat some of the money. Um, but I don't know if they'll be receiving two first round picks. Otherwise, the offensive line, yes, it needs work, um, but it wasn't horrific last season. And they are going to get Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton back as well, which is already a big boost to the offensive line on top of what they can do um, in the draft and through free agency. So I agree with you. I think the Jets have a lot of appeal. Um, I think Rodgers would be smart to come join the Jets for uh, selfish reasons and for NFL reasons. I also agree that Garrett Wilson, we're going to be jumping into the uh, best ball draft after this, but I think Garrett Wilson jumps into uh, first round territory if if the Jets acquire Aaron Rodgers. So that's going to be fun to watch. But yeah, that's where I guess we're both in agreement that we think the Jets end up making this happen. I 
I'm scared for being this optimistic about it as a Jets fan, but we'll see. That's certainly what the uh, the tarot cards are reading at the moment. So Aaron Rodgers, New York Jet, hopefully by next week. Hopefully, I, it, I'm, I'm very much. It hoping. seemed like it was about to happen today with that Schefter troll, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it it does almost seem inevitable. And as like, there's always kind of a with coach speak and beat writers, you, you kind of have to read between the lines, but there's an old idiom that I've always kind of thought about or, you know, followed by when it comes to these beat reports. And that's no news is good news. And the, there's been no news of him going anywhere else. Like yeah. literally nobody's even coming up as a proper suitor other than the jets. Yeah. At this it point it just seems like jets are retired. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it seems like the Packers are kind of putting him in that position too, because he, I don't know if he um like he's obviously already waived his no trade clause or whatever but that's still if that tr- no trade clause is waived that puts him in a position where he just can kind of pick his team and if the packers are only hearing offers from one team <laughs> he doesn't have another choice yeah fair enough but that's uh that's the qb talk that was uh oh man it's fun talking about quarterbacks joining new teams the possibilities of quarterbacks joining new teams it's going to be a a very fun month of march in the uh Big free time. agency pool so coming up next i'm gonna we're gonna share our screen here um so watch it on youtube we're going to say all the names as well um of the players we're going to be looking at so you could obviously just listen but it's easier to watch to see the uh to see the screen i'm now sharing it matt looking good yes oh yeah she's crispy very crispy all right so what we're going to be doing is looking at ffpc draft room adp again they have a $35 $35 Superflex best ball tournament and a $125 um, just standard best ball tournament. We're going to be looking at best picks. This is full PPR tight end premium. So 1.5 PPR for tight ends, full PPR for other positions. And you know how quarterbacks are scored. Yeah, that's we're going to be looking at our, our favorite picks of each round and our worst picks of each round. Me and Matt, Matt and I, excuse me, did not confer here as we like to do. do there may be some overlap. There might be some overlap, but we don't confer just because it's more fun that way um, to see if there is some overlap. But with that being said, the first round currently, according to ADP in FFPC drafts, is Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Jonathan Taylor, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Saquon Barkley, Bijan Robinson, slash CD. CD kind of gets mixed in there. So, Matt, I'll let you kick it off first. Who is your? Well, sorry. Do you want to start with worst or best? Let's uh, let's go with the worst pick first. Yeah, all yeah. Right. Let, let's do you end think on the positive worst... notes in these rounds. <laughs> all right, all right. Who do you think your worst pick is here? I I mean, I felt like he was the worst pick in the first round last year, and I'm going to double down and say he's the worst pick in the first round this year. It's Jonathan Taylor for me. It's he was vaunted as the one one overall last season after putting up one of the lowest scoring RB1 seasons in fantasy football history in 2020 when he was the RB1 when McCaffrey got injured. The culture in cap and roster purgatory, likely to bring in either one of the remaining veteran quarterbacks, which are lower-level ones a la Jimmy G, Baker Mayfield, or rookie QB in the NFL draft. And either way, that's not going to be good for the scoring offense. Not that it was good last year, but you'll probably see similar numbers, if not some major regression, like you, and I mean, major regression coming in offensive line, coaching changes, quarterback changes, all of that. It's got me fading JT in every round. Not only will 
like the perspective is, is not only will he need to repeat his 2020 season, he'll need to surpass it and improve on it to be able to be drafted ahead of any of these other running backs below him in the second round. Brees Halls, Travis Etienne's, Kenneth Walker's. And all of those guys, even from a points per game perspective, just, just whittle it down to points per game, had better seasons than JT did when he was the RB1 overall. Yeah, I have uh, no qualms with your choice. Starting off hot because my choice was also Jonathan Taylor. A close second for me was Devontae Adams. Um, Devontae Adams, we know he's great. Um, 1,440 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns last year. Just continues to be an A1 superstar at the position. But right now, the Las Vegas Raiders are in flux at the QB position. Um, and that is concerning to me. I'm not sure they'll be able to get a high-end quarterback and Jarrett Stidham is certainly not the answer, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, Devontae Adams, I think, is a little bit too risky for me at the moment. But my main pick would have been Jonathan Taylor. So I agree with you there, Matt. We are in agreement to start. Look at that. I think think a little honorable mention on worst pick, too, for me is B. John Robinson. And I mean, this is his this is literally his peak value in Dynasty is 112. And that's the assumption that he's insulated with value throughout his entire career. Like people aren't drafting him at 112 for the rookie production. And we've seen over and over and over again, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Javante Williams, these rookies don't get lead roles. If there's any sort of semblance of veteran presence on the roster, they will be whittled and slowed into their development. That's just how rookie running backs in the NFL work. So I don't love Bijan at 112 and best ball and redrafts, although you'll probably get a gigantic end of season bump with his production. Yeah, see, I don't I don't hate Bijan Robinson, especially in a tournament view, like you said. Um, if end of yeah. year he's the guy that helps. I also like if you look at Brees Hall last year, he was a third, fourth round pick. He would have been worth, honestly, the one point twelve if he stayed healthy yeah, with the way that he was playing. Correct. So I don't think yep. uh Bijan Robinson can't live up to that, but I do think you're drafting him very close to his ceiling you're just you're expecting him to be a a huge star by drafting him at the 112 i i mean at that cost he's not someone i'd probably target non-stop but definitely dabble every now and then yep agree favorite pick of the first round look when it comes to the first round i've never been a guy like i'm targeting this player i like to mix it up a bit in the first round um you get a lot of players who are talented and a lot of players who are um aren't gonna bust I don't think there's a lot of clear bust options here, um, but when it comes to the wide, the wide receiver position, I do think Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase stand above the rest. So those would be my picks. Um, I think it's fairly simple. Like Justin Jefferson, 1,771 yards last year, eight touchdowns. Jamar Chase dealt with injuries, 960 yards, eight touchdowns, started really getting that huge uh, target share as well, separating himself from T. Higgins a bit. Big so I think Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase starting with one of those two studs would probably be my uh, my ideal start for a best ball draft. Matt, who's your favorite pick of the bunch? Yeah, I mean, for how I like to draft, if I get one one in these tournament drafts, I'm definitely going to attack Justin Jefferson. But I kind of went a little bit more middle value. I still think that, especially in tight end premium, it's Travis Kelsey, man. <laughs> like you're ne- you can try to fade him until he dies. Like it's never going to yeah. work. He's always going to be Travis Kelsey. I think you can literally let him retire on your roster, so to speak. 
in my opinion, the greatest positional advantage in fantasy football. He shows no signs of major regression, finishes the tight end one overall, tight end one in points per game, which would have also been wide receiver seven in points per game. And that's just PPR, not even tight end premium. He was the 10th overall non-QB in points per game and the 12th highest scoring player overall. I have zero hesitation taking him at one six. One yeah, I. Uh, or fourth. I, <laughs> I guess yeah, the, he's the, going fourth the now, ADP but... did update a little bit on us, but yeah. Yeah, look. Travis Kelsey, I I was fading him a bit last year. Definitely the wrong choice. I probably won't make that mistake it again. It seemed like regression year. was coming, but yeah. yeah. It, especially with them. Patrick Mahomes is just real... too good. Travis Kelsey is just too good. Like sometimes these Wide guys. Wide receiver just... room isn't good. <laughs> yeah. When you're like generation a generate no, generationally talented combo, sometimes you break through barriers other teams or other players uh, couldn't break through. That's what Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes are doing. So heading into round two, we'll we are looking at picks uh, 13 through 24. Now, C.D. Lamb was right on the precipice, so we're going to include him here. Um, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Kenneth Walker, Derek Henry, Mark Andrews, Brees Hall, Josh Allen, Jalen Waddell, Patrick Mahomes, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Hurts are the next 12 here. So CD lamb through Jalen hurts are the next 12 players round two um, ADP. We have a, it's a fun little grouping here. QBs have shot up the board. As you can see with Josh Allen, patch Mahomes, and Jalen hurts all being mixed in in round two questionable RBs or young RBs, Kenneth Walker, Derek Henry, um, priest hall, and then young stud wide receivers like CD, AJ Brown, Amon Ra, Jalen Waddle, and Garrett Wilson. I'll start it off with my worst pick. My worst pick here, Matt, has to be QB. I understand. We're going to agree a lot. <laughs> yeah, I understand that Patch Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts really broke through last season in separating themselves way more than the top-end QBs typically do. Like You see Josh Allen here over 4,700 total yards, 32 touchdowns, seven rushing touchdowns. Mahomes threw for over 5,000. Jalen Hurts was a was a cheat code, 747 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns. Like these guys were absolute studs and they really separated themselves from the pack last year. But that's not something I'd expect to just continue. Like we saw a trend of QBs being devalued. Like last year, these guys were going late fourth, fifth round. Like sometimes we didn't see the first QB off the board until the fifth. And that's why I was like, it's time to start drafting high end quarterbacks again. Like getting Patrick Mahomes in the fifth or Josh Allen in the fifth. Like I got Patrick Mahomes in the, fifth round and underdog drafts a bunch of times in my home league. I got him at the end of the fifth round. Like my best teams had Patrick Mahomes at quarterback because once it got to the fifth round, it was like, yeah, I'm going to draft these guys, but now they're being heavily inflated again up to second round ADPs. And that's where it comes in. Like, do you get that huge of a, uh, of a boost having one of these guys compared to other quarterbacks, but we see year after year quarterbacks who aren't being drafted as highly jumping up the ranks and saving the day for your fantasy team where you didn't have to spend high up on a quarterback. Like, for instance, the FFPC uh, Superflex tournament last year, that the player who won the Superflex tournament, which values quarterbacks, didn't have one of the high-end quarterbacks. His best two quarterbacks were Justin Fields and um, Daniel Jones. Like, you don't need a high-end quarterback. Yes, it could help your team if you draft well. And last year, they were good values. I think all the value has just been pulled 
dire just directly from the QB position position for the high end quarterbacks here in people drafting these players in the second round. Three of them, three quarterbacks in the second round. I feel like we're back in two thousand nine. Facts, and I mean, I, I got. You're right. I, I could reiterate all of the exact same points. And for me, it was just Josh Allen because he had the highest ADP of those three. And I, I just wrote like the first quarterback off the board is always a bad pick. In my opinion, it doesn't matter who that quarterback is or if he ends up finishing QB one overall. But because of what you just said, the scoring variance between QB one and QB six was quite large this season. But that was also a major outlier in what we usually see from points per game from the quarterback position. Usually one through six are quite close. And then six to 12, you kind of get a bit of a more separation where that really matters. But as you said as well, if you can get 12 or 13, which would have been a Daniel Jones, a Justin Fields, and have so many top end studs lined in the roster before that, I think that's much more of an advantage than going QB early here. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to give a honorable mention to Amon Ra and Derek Henry, two guys I think are going a little bit high um, for my for my taste at the moment as well. For my favorite pick, I'm going Garrett Wilson, man. Yes, I'm a Jets fan. I may sound like a homer, but look at what Garrett Wilson did in 2022 as a rookie with very questionable quarterback play over a thousand yards, the four touchdowns. He looked like a star when he was on the field. And if they get Aaron Rodgers, man, he's just going to be a steal and a half. This reminds me of Justin Jefferson's second year in the league. He was going late second round in uh in fantasy drafts and Jason and I were like that's silly like Justin Jefferson is a star like he proved that why is he going he should be going at the turn and me and Jason and I actually had a ton of Justin Jefferson exposure his sophomore season because we weren't afraid to take him at pick 14 15 even though his ADP said 21 22 like Garrett Wilson um I think Garrett Wilson is that next guy like I think he could be a star especially if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers and he has top five wide receiver ability and getting him at the turn there. Like if you could start a draft with Jamar Chase and then Garrett Wilson rounds one and two, I'd be ecstatic about that. Yeah, I think Garrett Wilson is exactly that. I think as soon as that trade were to go through, you're going to see him jump A.J. Brown in a Raw, probably be placed right behind C.D. Lamb in ADP. I wouldn't be surprised. Who's your favorite pick in the second round, Matt? So we're going to have our first disagreement. I, I didn't hey, want to interrupt you, but it, it's Amon Ra for me, man. I, oh, I wow. think Amon Ra is one of the, yeah, I, I love him in comparison to like, especially when you're looking like Kenneth Walker, Derek Henry, Mark Andrews, Brees Hall, Josh Allen, like we were talking about, Jalen Waddle, a bit of a, and Garrett Wilson specifically, a bit of that kind of tear break where I do value them very similarly. But man, I love him on Ross St. Brown, and he's proven everything. Finishes the wide receiver 10 in points per game during his second season. He owns the record in the NFL for consecutive games with eight or more targets. Has earned over 20% of his team's targets in back-to-back seasons, despite even barely playing until the second half of the first year. And he still has over 20% target share overall of that team's passing attempts, which is absolutely incredible. I think he's honestly yet to meet a ceiling of production. He's legitimately like Cooper Cup tra- career trajectory, in my opinion. Um, locked and loaded as a set it and forget it wide receiver one in points per game, wide receiver 10 I think probably increases a little bit to that top eight position he's a wide receiver one like top 12 any given week overall um obviously as wide receiver one overall any given week in his career range of outcomes and no one's coming for those targets like people that are bumping up Jamison Williams really high or you know feeling like he can come and get a 24 percent target share which would obviously diminish Amon Ross St. Brown's opportunities that's not happening Jamison doesn't play in the slot 
Jared Goff's still the quarterback. Amon Ross St. Brown has some of the best hands in the NFL. He's going to get 100-plus targets. It doesn't matter if Jamison Williams is healthy for 17 games. I mean, I hear you. My issue is uh, just taking him that high around like it's it's his ceiling. It's kind of like his ceiling. ceiling. Well, he would be wide receiver. I think that puts him at wide receiver eight. That's essentially where I have him kind of hitting his floor of points per game this season. Like I do expect a continued increase of production and going from, you know, ending the season as the wide receiver six overall on the last eight weeks as a rookie and then wide receiver 10 overall in points per game as a sophomore. I feel like we're we've yet to see the best. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I, I'm I'm just a little bit more cautious about Jared Goff being the quarterback, other weapons on the team and such needing so many targets, but we'll see. I, I mean, I, I definitely don't think he's a, like, I don't think he's a, a bust option. He has a high floor. I just don't know if he has as high of a ceiling as some other guys in that area, but that's fair. Heading into round three, we have starting with Nick Chubb here, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Smith, Travis Etienne, T. Higgins, TJ Hawkinson, DK Metcalf, Ramondre Stevenson, Chris Olave, Joe Burrow, Najee Harris, Kyle Pitts. This is a very, very, very interesting group of tight ends here. Remember, it's tight end premium. That's why we have guys like TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts mixed in here who wouldn't necessarily be here if it was, or who would definitely wouldn't be here if it was a regular PPR league or half PPR yeah, league. Yeah, definitely not. So, but with that being said, Matt, we have... A, a fun again all the positions aren't running back wide receiver tight end and joe burrow mixed in there at qb a lot of options here let's start with you again here who is your worst pick of round three my worst pick of round three i think is pretty obvious and, and i just took the brodo fantasy chalk like just stop drafting Najee harris Najee. <laughs> like don't don't bother doing it certainly don't do it when he's valued within six picks of guys like travis Etienne and tony pollard after him like and deandre swift don't do it don't do it i've got no interest in Najee harris man and yes he had a, a better turnaround in his his sophomore season certainly hit a sophomore slump but that should have been all anticipated because for him to not have a sophomore slump you were expecting 400 plus touches in a kenny pickett led offense like yes. let's get out with that that's not going to happen in his third year either and yes there were some injuries concerns reportedly healthy the the foot and and Liz Frank or whatever are, are doing better as far as the beats are concerned that doesn't matter he was an inefficient plotter when he was completely healthy and needed a number one ranked opportunity share to put up RB9 points per game like I'm I'm just not interested Agreed. at all in any round ever I uh I my pick was uh was Najee Harris here as well as someone to avoid? So yeah, it better have been. <laughs> early in the offseason, we're, uh, we're agreeing here. But I also had to give a, a shout-out to Kyle Pitts, who hasn't been in his first two seasons in the league. He's just been a dream made up in people's minds of, still who, too high. Yeah. of who he can be. And it's happening again. Atlanta does not have their QB situation figured out. If they get Lamar Jackson, per, like for instance, this dude's going to shoot up to the second round easily. Like, I just, at this point, year three, I'm okay missing out on Kyle Pitts, and I, I, I'm not going to be drafting him. Um, I, this I think I'm completely okay with miss because the, the key word is missing. It, it's yeah. it's all been presumption, and he certainly has the potential to meet this ceiling and above. So you have to be okay with missing a potentially generational season, but I am okay with that considering the cost. 
Like it's all yeah. about cost acquisition in these, you know, best and worst picked ADP reviews. But Kyle Pitts being, you know, right still in the in the top of the third, like I'm yeah, it's just still a little too pricey, especially like I like guys like Pat Fryermuth. I like guys like George Kittle, especially in these tight end premium best ball where I don't have to worry about setting the lineup for their peak production. I mean, yeah, yeah I feel like, like I would George much Kittle, rather that's golden. Yeah, well, would much rather fade the pits here and then just go with that tight end in the fourth or fifth. Yeah, I got two guys. I'm also not super fond of this RB tandem up here with Chubb and Jacobs at the turn, but me either. I, I still I would rather ETN. I, I'd rather them over like Harrison Pitts. Uh with that being said, Matt, who's your I got two people here that I that I couldn't really choose between as my favorite pick. Who are you going with? I'm I'm it's not gonna take me long to explain it. We've already touched on him quite a bit. Did I click episode. it correctly? It's Chris Olave. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's it's for sure Chris Olave. I'll, I'll reiterate and say again, him and Garrett Wilson both ha- both had a thousand yard rookie seasons. Um, Olave actually played fewer games than Garrett Wilson as well, so a higher uh, points per game total than Wilson. Number one in points per game for wide receivers this season, or rookie wide receivers this season, rather. It's going to repeat. It's going to get better with Derek Carr than it was with Andy Dalton. Nobody's coming for those targets. Chris Olave is a top ten wide receiver. Short he should be sweet. valued much closer to Garrett Wilson than he is to Najee Harris. Fair enough. Um, the two people I could not choose between, firstly, was Chris Olave. So we agree again, Matt. Derek Carr coming in answers the QB position enough as well that I think it makes Chris Olave a value here because like we just saw him ball out with Devontae Adams. We've seen him ball out in the past with guys like Amari Cooper. He even made... Mac Hollins, wide viable wide receiver at times this past season. Like Derek Carr a sustaining a high end wide receiver is not a question that we have to ask. Like it can absolutely be done. So I do agree with you um, there. Like I'd rather have Chris Olave than Chubb, if I'm being honest. And you're picking him yes. nine picks yes. later. But the other guy, the other guy was Ramondre Stevenson of the New England Patriots. I think Completely his ADP. Agree. He was my honorable mention. Nice. I think his ADP here, look, 986 rushing yards last year, five rushing touchdowns, 393 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. I think his ADP is in this area because of the old, you know, it's the New England Patriots running back room like that people are just so afraid of, you know? And let's not forget that it used to be go get the New England Patriots running backs with Stephen Ridley and LeGarrette Blunt and company. Ramondre Stevenson, Damien Harris is a free agent. Like I don't expect him to bring it in, uh, bring him back. Even if they do bring in a, another running back, like Ramondre Stevenson balled out when given the shot last season as the lead back, and he was catching the ball a ton. This is a PPR league. The Patriots' offense can't possibly be worse next year than it was this year. Like in my opinion, either they'll likely bring in some other wide receiver weapons. Like, if this offense gets better, that's better for Ramondre Stevenson. And Ramondre Stevenson was a stud last year as the lead back, and I don't think that's going to change this season. So I think Ramondre Stevenson smack dab in the middle of the third round is quite a nice pick along there with Chris Olave. So these two I'd be fighting about in my head, depending on my roster construction thus far. Like if I started with uh, Jamar Chase and Garrett Wilson, like I was mentioning before, um, getting Ramondre Stevenson here as my first running back would certainly be something I'd be happy about. With that being said, finish with round three. On to round four, starting with Debo. Yes, after Kyle Pitts. All right. Round four, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, 
Justin Fields, Dallas Goddard, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Mixon to round it out. Matt, this was a round that I looked at and I was like, this is very, very interesting group of people. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I could see several of these guys being great. Uh, one of them I'll talk about as my favorite pick, but I could also see several of these guys not living up to their draft capital. I, I had a hard time choosing one guy that I was fading here. If I had to choose one of the bunch, just like I'm probably not going to draft him at that ADP. It's probably Amari Cooper, who, even though he had a very good 2022 season, 1,109 yards, nine receiving touchdowns, he was trash when Deshaun Watson became the quarterback. Um, Deshaun Watson, for the most part, he still had a couple of good games. But Deshaun Watson, was. Yeah, Deshaun Watson just completely overhauled that. What was a good offense under Jacoby Brissett into a bad offense under Deshaun <laughs> Watson, Funny. which is wild, a wild thing to say. But may, yes, they could... Uh, it's still early in the offseason, and maybe I'll change my tune here. I was also considering uh, Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, two older guys who are in more questionable positions. I was also um, considering DeAndre Swift, who just keeps getting his value inflated year after year, kind of like a Kyle Pitts and not really living up to it, per se. So I had a lot of options here. I kind of settled on Amari Cooper as as a guy I, I just wouldn't be drafting at this value. I just don't really see it um, at this time. So, But there, there were a lot of names up for debate so matt who is your worst pick of round four i think you might like this one <laughs> but uh honestly for me and, and a lot of the theme with my selections for these best and worst picks is it simply comes down to cost of acquisition uh-huh. it's justin fields it's it's i think justin fields is a bad pick here when you look at who are the two quarterbacks going five and six picks after him lamar jackson and justin herbert i Personally, in, in every draft, whether it be dynasty or best ball, I I think that you should be in these rounds specifically. I think you should be more so focused on solidified production and not necessarily chasing the ceiling at the quarterback position. Justin Fields has an incredible rushing ceiling, but that that Bears offense has so many holes to fill that I don't think the passing production is necessarily going to bridge the gap where he's a bona fide top 10, top eight quarterback. And Lamar Jackson is when healthy. Justin Herbert absolutely is when healthy. And there's other disrespected older quarterbacks down that line that are absolutely locked and loaded. You don't have to worry about the matchup, the defense, who they're playing, nothing. They are going to finish in the top 12 of points per game every single week. Justin Fields isn't that. His floor is terrifying. When they're not, when he's not getting his rushing going, and the passing isn't attached, he's a low-end QB2, and he's shown that. And yes, that can improve, but I'm not chasing that ceiling here when I can literally just have Lamar. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you just said. The reason why I didn't choose a quarterback here is because I already chose one earlier. Um, And in terms of value, like QB5, 6, I don't hate the idea of taking Fields and Jackson there. Yes, But the fact that QB5 and 6 are going at picks... What what are their ADPs? Um, forty two and forty seven are still are still uh, hard for me to swallow here. So it seems like I'm. It's just, just the talent be... that's beneath them too. Is it's so yeah. equal that why would I? Like so, it looks like yeah. I may have to be uh, a fader of high end quarterbacks once more this season um, with the way they're being drafted. For my best pick, there was one guy that stood out to me. 
Um, I always love George Kittle in best ball, especially in FFPC because of his, uh, his high ceiling as a tight end. But you know, that wasn't my pick for best pick here for me. It's Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard look last season, 988 rushing yards, nine rushing touchdowns, 371 yards, receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. He was an absolute stud last season. Zeke is already either taking a pay cut or is getting cut. Like I, the Cowboys finally figured out like, damn, we have a stud running back in a high powered Cowboys offense. So why is he going in the fourth round? Like, I'm very confused by it. Like, Zeke was going at this spot last season with Tony Pollard still around. Zeke is, like, at this point, Zeke is whatever. Like, he's not going to be someone you're drafting the first, like, eight, nine rounds anymore. Tony Pollard's the guy. He was great as the guy. So why is he being drafted in round four? I'm very confused by it. If Tony Pollard, if you change that 38.6 to a 24.6 and I opened it up as if it was brand new information, I would have been like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. 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 Like right around the, the back or the high end RB2 range, like RB12, 13. Yeah. I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah that, that's where he should be going. Yeah. Like in the not second RB or third round <laughs> turn. Yeah. Not at the third, fourth round turn. So Tony Pollard was my best, my favorite pick here. I, I think he's being uh, undervalued here. Um, Completely agree. That, that was my favorite pick in this round as well. And Matt yeah, the, agreeing this, too much. The stat that I, I wanted to pull for this, and obviously denominators matter. So he started a lot less games than some of the other active running backs. But Tony Pollard has the highest RB1 percentage of finishes of any starting active running back in the NFL. So like Beast. every game he starts, he finishes top 12 beast. It's Absolute just insane beast. how good that guy is on a per touch basis. It's and we always assumed that the efficiency was kind of going to dwindle that. But it's fine because the most efficient running back in the NFL on a lower level of touches, if he becomes the 12th most efficient running back on a higher level of touches, that's fine. But he just maintained the efficiency, which is almost unheard of. Like Tony Pollard really is the real deal. Yeah. Now we're heading into the final round of this podcast, round five. Um, if you missed it earlier, we're going to be doing round six through ten for patrons on patreon.com slash protofantasy. You can sign up for as little as $3 a month to get access to that. So go ahead and sign up to hear the rest of this uh, round six through ten. But we are finishing off round five here, starting off with the wide receiver I successfully faded last season. Here we go. Michael Pittman, Chris Godwin, Jameer Gibbs. Aaron Jones, DJ Moore, Drake London, Damian Pierce, Jerry Judy, Javante Williams, Trevor Lawrence, Keenan Allen, J.K. Dobbins. There is a whole lot of yuck, in my opinion. I in don't. This round. I hate this round. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this is gross to several of these guys. I'll let you. Well, I've kick got it some off. honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. I I've kicked got, it I'll, off I'll, last time. So I'll start ahead. with Who's my worst my kind of honorable mention worst pick. It, it, just so I, you know, don't take too much time, but it's Damian Pierce likely won't even be the best running back on his own roster by the time the 2023 season starts. So I'm not interested in Damian at all this season, but the worst pick of this round for me is undeniably. And I, I'm, we probably are going to agree again. It's Javante Williams. Yep. I was already hovering over. His yeah. Javante Williams. His knee is dust, man. Torn MCL, torn ACL, additional ligament damage, torn meniscus. So imagine if JK Dobbins preseason knee injury, happened in the middle of the season. Now take that logic and apply it to Javante Williams 
2023 season. There's not a world that we live in where Javante is going to be able to suit up for the entire season, let alone play at a high level. And on that note, how high of a level are you really expecting from Javante Williams? It's always been an assumption. He has never been a lead back at any point in his collegiate or NFL career. He has just five top 12 finishes and 26 NFL games played. Like what it's always been assumption with Javante and yeah, he had a phenomenal athletic prospect profile, looked great, got the draft capital. We all assumed, but it was assumptions. And then Melvin Gordon was still getting touches and then Javante got hurt. Like you're, and it's a bad, bad knee injury. Matt, Matthew Barry was on his podcast talking about it because he was at the combine and, and talking to GMs and stuff. And he was saying that the way that people are talking about Javante Williams makes him genuinely uneasy. Sounds sounds about right. Yeah, like yeah. like there's a lot of a lot of very clear lying going on, and within the organization, they do not seem incredibly confident. Yeah, like I could see Javante Williams being a, a pick outside the top 100 by the time September comes around very easily. Yes, I think probably should be like yeah. 100 man. So yeah, I agree with you. I have Javante Williams, but I also absolutely cannot stand Damian Pierce here. I think that's a joke. If you're drafting Damian Pierce, where he was basically where he was going last season, like where last season he had a couple good games, but he didn't really live up to ADP. He was whatever, yo. Like it was Damian Pierce. It was exactly what everyone like. He wasn't a star by any means. He's just being drafted to be Damian Pierce again. And you could find Damian Pierce on the waiver wire a hundred times out of a hundred. I know this is best ball, but still, like, I just have no interest in Damian Pierce at all at this cost. I think uh, Trevor Lawrence. You can find like six or seven Damian Pierce's just in rookie running backs this year. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence being crafted in the fifth round is blasphemous to me. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I know he had a great second year and he's on the rise, but I'm not taking Trevor Lawrence in round five. J.K. Dobbins, like, he was he ran better at the end of the season, but Lamar Jackson might be gone. He still was running, looking like he was an old man at times. Like, what what are we doing here with these guys? I have no interest in any of those players. Yeah, and on that team. note, Javante just being drafted ahead of J.K. Dobbins in the first place. Is like, is what are funny. we doing? Did you not uh, watch him play last year? Like, yeah. So, Matt, now to uh, end it off on a on a high. Who's your uh, favorite pick of round five? Little honorable mention, um, Drake London. I, I I mean, honestly, is if Drake London recorded the third highest target share of any rookie in NFL history, if they decide to pass the ball more than 24 times a game, he'll return high end wide receiver two, if not wide receiver one value. But my absolute favorite pick, it's Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs in the fifth is money, money, money. He should be valued closer to Bijan Robinson than he is to Vontae Williams. He possesses one of the best collegiate receiving profiles that we've ever ever seen from the running back position legit burner speed topping out at 436 at the combine weight slightly in under 200 at 199 but his playing weight's probably a little over 200 which would put his bmi above that sweet 30.0 threshold he's also projected to go at the back end of the first round which first round draft capital is going to skyrocket this kid's profile in my in my model anyway but back into the first round who's sitting there the chiefs the bangles the like gibbs as a supercharged Jarek McKinnon, which is a very favorable comp and very favorable landing spot. Like that's right around where he's going. Pick 29 is where his ADP has risen to or EDP. I guess they call it when it's actual NFL draft, but Jameer Gibbs is going to put up like CMC rookie numbers. 
And he's going to do it on a great offense that needs a running back at the back end of the first that is already highly competitive with a good quarterback. He should be valued ahead of so many of these other running backs, especially if people think that Bijan could hit his ceiling in year one. Yes, Gibbs is a bit of a lower level. It's like he's not that generational level, but he's undeniably the RB2 in this draft class. Undeniably. No one's even close. You shouldn't someone, be drafting Najee Harris ahead of Jameer Gibbs. That's fucking insane. Someone is very high on Jameer Gibbs. I like it. I Big like time. it. Look, I I hated this round. There was no one that stood out me to too. me like, <laughs> I must draft this guy. I went with a interesting approach here because, look, we had two guys that were being drafted early third round on the same team last season, and that's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who are now being drafted late fifth, early sixth round in oh, Keenan Allen and Keenan's Mike Williams. such a good pick here. Yeah, Mike Williams, who I'm cheating a little bit. I mean, he's inside the top 16 ADP, but he wasn't part of the 12 that I mentioned. But Mike Williams, if you're watching, you'd see his name. Both of these guys have dropped two rounds in ADP since last season, and their situation is largely the same. Um they just got injured not last better year. with a new OC. Yeah. And I know they got, they both have dealt with several injuries in the past and they are injury risks. But when you're in a best ball tournament, you have to take some injury risks every now and then. Um, if they return for the playoffs for the best ball playoffs that they're, they're a big boost and maybe they just stay healthy in general. So Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I know they have question marks. I know Keenan Allen's getting older, but they're still tied to Justin Herbert, who is, an absolute star who balled out last year, despite throwing to Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter. Like if Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter could put in work last season, like we saw Keenan Allen and Mike Williams be very trustworthy for the most part when healthy and on the field last year. So at that price in best ball, especially, I think those two have uh, some real appeal here. And with that being said, that is it for the uh, first five rounds and our QB talk. Now we get into the spicy rounds. Make sure you tune into Patreon. Yep, and get now we get good. into into round six through ten to discuss guys like uh, Calvin Ridley, Cam Akers, ooh, Isaiah, ooh. Isaiah Pacheco, oh. Jackson Smith, the Jigba. Oh, how right. is he that oh, yeah. late? You'll hear all about that on Patreon.com/slash Roto Fantasy. Thank you guys all for listening, and uh, we'll see you there later. <laughs>